Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, this is our third in a uh, series that kind of started accidentally. Yeah. First, we talked about nurses. Nurses. Uh, we talked about midwives and doulas. Midwives and doulas. And now we're going to talk about female doctors. Female doctors. But we're not talking about female doctors as in gynecologists, although we will mention gynecologists. You know, I was actually going to ask you a question to kind of kick things off about a gynecologist. Okay. As a lady yourself, Kristen. That would be me. With lady parts. I do have a vagina. Would you go see a male gynecologist? You know, if I, um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would. Would you think twice about it? I mean, if you had your choice, who would you take? I would take a, I would take a female doctor, but I would be, I'm more open to going to a male gyno now than I was when I was, say, 18. Yeah. You know, cause at first, you know, you know, maybe you're a little more, uh, a little more squeamish about, you know, stirrups <laughs> and plus a male in front of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so awkward. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it can be traumatic to go to the gynecologist for the first time. Um, but then it gets easier. Ladies out there, don't yeah, be scared. I know plenty of, I know plenty of women who, who go to male gynecologists and they have no problem. Yeah. And so I thought that that would sort of be when we started uh, researching doctors who are women, I thought that'd be kind of the main field where you'd see a lot of women that, uh-huh. you know, people who, you know, specifically women, when I talk about people, women who had lady parts might want to see someone who also had a lady part. Women who had lady parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's early. Um, <laughs> but then there was this really interesting study, uh, that was, that found that yes, a lot of women would have the preference for a female gynecologist. Mm-hmm. The majority would. But then even the women who had a, but a lot of people said they had no preference. Right. But then the, even the women who said they had a preference for a female gynecologist went and saw a male gynecologist and experienced the same level of satisfaction with their appointment. Right. Because they were most concerned. Every, all the people in, in this study were most concerned with experience and capability before gender. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of, I think, one of the, the main things people can think of where they might want a doctor of a particular gender. Yeah. And this study sort of showed that, yeah, it's on people's mind, but not really. 
Because you and I, and we will not go into detail here, but I know for a fact that you and I have both gone to female lady doctors and had just bananas kind of experiences. So it's certainly not, it's not the gender of the doctor. No, you can have a lady gynecologist who will, (laughs) who will freak you out. (laughs) But like I said, no, no details. Um, but I do want to revisit one, one little topic before we move forward with this that we touched on in the nursing (laughs) podcast. And because in the nursing podcast, in case you all don't recall, uh, it was focused on while nurse, why nurse Nursing is typically a female profession as mm-hmm. opposed to a male profession. And it goes back to this Victorian idea that was really promoted by Florence Nightingale of the medical family as a family. Mm-hmm. The doctor is the father, the wife is the nurse, and then the child is the patient. So you have, you know, this male paternal doctor figure. So now we've kind of worked our way up, up the rungs. We're going to talk about the differences between male and female doctors because there are now just as many men as women coming out of medical school. Right. But what is the difference between them? Pretty much as soon as these women started graduating from medical school and entering practices, researchers were like, what's the dealio? What's going to, there's got to be a difference. <laughs> so it's, it's actually been pretty uh, widely studied. And uh, it, it comes down to these things we always talk about as these stereotypically female traits right. that might make women not better doctors, but different doctors. Yeah, because, for instance, you know, female doc- doctors will typically prefer to wear hot pink scrubs <laughs> um, and carry their purses in the operating room with them. They like designer scalpels, whereas men <laughs> will just go to Costco. Yeah, that extra attention to detail that women can bring. Mm-hmm. Their shopping skills really help them in the emergency room. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Kristen. Jokes. Of course they aren't. No, <laughs> but those sort of stereotypically things. How many times have we said that women are better communicators? It's, uh, too many times I, we, I, than I would, that I would care to, to count. I was actually thinking about this as I was reading all this research of just over and over again. If you look at, uh, studies on gender differences, women communicate. Women, women are more emotive. They're like mothers, even if they're not your mother. Men might not take as much time to speak with you, but they are thinking in their heads, whereas women are thinking with their mouths and hands. That doesn't make sense. It kind of does, though. I mean, that's what it comes down to, yeah. for better or for worse, that this idea that these womanly traits can uh, affect your experience at the doctor. Your bedside manner. <laughs> So, yeah, there are tons of studies about women communicating better, women taking a little bit more time with each patient. Um, but you know what's kind of funny is once you start to look at some specific diagnoses that doctors can make, mm-hmm. that's when it starts to break down a little bit. Yeah, let's start with something a little more intuitive with uh, plastic surgery. Around 90% of plastic surgery patients in the U.S., for cosmetic plastic surgery especially, women. And what are we going to get done? Probably our boobs. So they might, <laughs> they might need to get bigger. They, they might, might need, need to be, get smaller. Yeah. You might have had breast cancer and need to reconstruct them. Right. So those are some options. And women will say that female plastic surgeons might not be so quick to make a judgment of like, okay, all right, you want to go bigger? Let's go big. Yeah. Or you need to go small? Let's get Maria small. Whereas <laughs> women might just want something a little more just in the middle and female plastic surgeons who ha- possess breasts of their own and have grown up with the experience of, of having breasts might take a little more time and figure out what 
that patient really needs and tailor it a little, a little better than a male doctor. Not saying that the, the outcome will be any worse, like that their, uh, men and women aren't, aren't as good technically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're saying that the woman will actually listen to what you want. But again, I think this will come down to individual doctors. Exactly. There are really great male plastic surgeons on bedding, just as there might be really crappy female plastic surgeons. Mm-hmm. It's it, it can be very subjective once you get right down to it. But let's let's turn to another medical conundrum, Kristen. Heart disease. Heart disease. Coronary heart disease is typically referred to as an illness of older men. Yes. And but that would be wrong. But that would be wrong. Why would it be wrong? Because when they get it too. Yeah. <laughs> and the podcast. It's like we're doctors, <laughs> right? <laughs> the doctor is in. So yes, yeah, typically um, considered an illness of older men, but it is a little bit harder to diagnose in women, which is why it's typically associated with older men, just because it's easier to spot in them. But when it comes to spotting coronary heart disease, the gender of the doctor seems to make a little bit of a difference, at least according to this one study that was reported on in the New York Times in 2007. But not in the way you'd think. You'd think that maybe a female doctor, knowing that this is a little harder to spot, uh-huh. would be more uh, attuned to those little hints right. that could indicate the heart disease. But no, they found out that actually the female doctors, when diagnosing the female patients, male patients, everyone could spot the signs. Mm -hmm. But female doctors were likely to overlook the biggest risk factor for heart disease, which was age. Yeah. All the male doctors, when they looked at the female patient, considered the age, whereas the female doctors sort of forgot about age and looked at all these other clues and thus were... Um, not as good at diagnosing the heart disease. So it's an example. I mean, you can find one that proves that women can be better. The plastic surgery example, you can find another study that says the men have got it going on, the heart disease thing. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not like anyone's better. It's not like anyone's better. And we should make a point that it's not like all of the study methodologies looking at these gender differences between doctors are locked tight either because there were some complaints about this study on coronary heart disease that the doctors involved, there were 112 male and female primary care doctors who were just watching videotapes of professional actors portraying patients with symptoms of heart disease. So the doctor, perfect. Right. And so some doctors were saying who were commenting on the study were saying, Hey, you know what? This would change if they were actually, if that was a real patient in a real waiting room, I think that the results would be different. You'd need to replicate these kind of findings. And you know, even the studies that are based on a patient's preference, because a lot of people say it's not so much the doctor's gender, but the patient's preference for a certain gender. That's all based on, you know, a survey of what the patient's saying. And even if the study is anonymous and randomized, maybe some patients don't want to say, you know, straight out that they prefer one gender or the other. There's sure. really no way to know um, how all these studies are going um, in terms of these methodologies. But one thing we can say is that whether they're different, whether they're better, whether they are worse, women certainly are changing the face of modern medicine. They are. And they're making it a much prettier one with softer features <laughs> and jawlines. And those pink scrubs. No, I'm talking about their working hours, Kristen. Yes, this is true. Um, women physicians typically 
don't want to have that constant 24-7 on-call schedule. Mm-hmm. They will want to pick a little more family-friendly schedules. Um, for instance, there was a gynecologist, uh, Natalie Feldman, who was saying that women physicians have helped make it more acceptable for both genders to try to strike a balance between work and family life. And she said, quote, the new generation is much less driven to work long hours. They're going to want to go into emergency medicine or anesthesia where you have to work, but they're not on call. Right. They're trying to have that work-life balance. And while that sounds like a good thing, something that we all strive for in our own careers, it's kind of a dirty word in medicine where the badge of honor is working those 72-hour shifts and being at the hospital or at your practice constantly. And some people are saying that, you know, the men are being influenced by these women saying, we don't want to work 72 mm-hmm. hours in a row. We want to have lives. And as a result of this young generation of doctors working less or working part time or stopping to have children and then coming back, people are saying that this is going to be the cause of a major physician shortfall in just like 10 years. Right. Because uh, with the aging boomer population, health, the need, the healthcare need is exploding. And so some people are worried that, hey, if these doctors don't want to work constantly, what are we going to do? But, you know, on the other on the other side of it, people are saying if these doctors slow down, they might be able to practice longer. There's going to be fewer rates of burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's it's good to have a happy doctor. We talked about traumatic experiences. And what do you think that was? (laughs) Based on a, a not so happy doctor it in some been. cases. So. But maybe those lady doctors we had poor experiences with were just kind of sour because they realized that they were getting paid $17,000 less than their male compatriots. Are you telling me there's a gender pay gap, Kristen Conger? I am telling you there's a gender pay gap. Oh, surprise, my Surprise, surprise. And it is a wide one. And you guys probably heard this news because this came out um, in February of this year. And it was widely reported because it is it is a huge, huge pay gap. And it's one that has only increased in recent years. And this was a study published in Health Affairs, Journal Health Affairs. And just just take a little take a little listen to this. In 1999, new women doctors earned one hundred and fifty one thousand dollars on average. Not too bad. I mean, that's a little bit less than podcasters make, <laughs> but you know, I uh, go to school for seven years. You know, whatever. And that's compared to 173,000 for men. So you got in 1999 a 12.5% salary difference. But in 2008, somehow that salary difference has widened to nearly 17%. 17%. That's that's crazy. And, you know, they, they try and pack it, and it may be some reasons that, you know, generally women make less. They may not be as good at negotiating their salary, or uh, they may take on more family-friendly benefits to go back to this idea that women doctors never want to go to work. They just want to have kids, because that's how some articles can paint this uh, women doctor schedule, in that they, uh, you know, just want to take a lot of flex time and uh, don't work as much. But even when they account for things like uh, vacation and different hours and flexibility specialties, it's still there, still a huge pay gap. And if you have been in school and training that long and to face such a huge pay gap, yeah, I can understand why you might be a little surly in your workplace. Yeah, even with heart surgeons, like looking just at that specialty, female heart surgeons were earning 27000 less on average and females specializing in pulmonary disease were earning average of 44,000 less than men. So something's going on there. And I don't know whether it's bad math on the <laughs> statistician's ends or some huge uh, just gender inconsistencies in the medical field. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, at this point, we'd love to hear from doctors, med students out there, what you're hearing in your own workplace about this pay gap, if you notice it, if you don't notice it. Um, all the questions we've discussed, you know, things like the uh, the feminization of medicine leading to shorter working hours. Is that true? Yeah, and also women out there, we'd like to know, if you have to go to the gyno, do you care whether it's a man or a woman? Just curious. Just yeah. a quick poll. Email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter as well. In the meantime, we got a couple emails to toss your way. All right, I have an email here that is not signed, but I thought was really interesting. Uh, the listener writes, My dad mostly wears button-down shirts, and when the local cleaners started offering dollar-per-shirt deals on men's shirts, he decided it was worth bringing them all the cleaners. A couple of years ago, I was home, and somehow my royal blue button-down collar and cuff shirt got stuck in the laundry and ended up in my dad's cleaner's bag. When my parents got it back, I told my dad to tell me how much it cost him so I could pay him back. Guess what? Since it was with the bag of men's shirts, it went through as a men's shirt and was charged as a men's shirt for $1. A short time later, I bought in the same shirt to the same cleaners and asked them how much it would cost. $4. $4. Talk about a gap. All right, well, I've got an email here from Daphne, and this is in response to our podcast on Kegel exercises. Kegel, Kegel, we say Kegel. Daphne writes, this might sound weird, but Kegels are the best thing that ever happened to me. I like where this is going. I have a condition called interstitial cystitis, known as IC. And it's basically an inflammation of the bladder lining. Not much is really known about it, uh, but my situation was actually fairly mild. And the only problem I had was an intense urge to use the bathroom all the time. And y'all, that's all the time in all caps. I had two minor procedures done and had given up eating a lot of trigger foods to calm my bladder. Eventually, the lining of my bladder actually healed, but I was still experiencing this intense, intense urge to use the bathroom all the time. So finally, the physical therapist prescribes kegels, and it worked. Prior to the kegels, I couldn't travel far or spend much time in a place without a bathroom. It made me not even want to leave the house. Kegels are awesome and have given me my life back. Put that on this shirt. Wow. Uh, sometimes I do still feel the urge to pee frequently, and I just start doing my kegels again, and usually the feeling goes away within a day or two. So I wonder if this would work if you just... This is just me riffing now. Daphne's done. I just wonder if I if you have to use the bathroom really bad, if you can kegel, them, kegel that urge away. Probably not forever, but yeah, I think it can help you control Gold's urge to get home. So if you break the seal, maybe kegel could... Kegels could maybe uh, this is our opportunity to actually do an academic study, All Kristen. Right. We go to the bars, and we have a, a few beers, beer. and then we try some kegels. Okay, so oh man, that'd be like the perfect podcast <laughs> note. Okay, anyway, let's 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 wrap this up. So if you have any questions, comments, thoughts to send our way, momstuffathowstuffworks.com is the email address. You can also hit us up on Facebook, like us, send us a comment, all that good stuff. You can follow us over on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And then lastly, you can always read our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring 
like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.